Thanksgiving Eve here in uh, in America, and I've got an old friend of uh, not an old you're 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 like you're like the f- a founding member of uh, Plan A, but we haven't done like a Plan A crew uh, pod in a while. Been gone you know? for like six months, right? Because my I think my daughter she's turning eight months soon, and I think we did our last chat when she was about a month in because I was just done my pat leave. So, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's been, been like seven yeah. months or, or Over half or a plus. year. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. yeah. And how is she doing? The baby She's good. Girl. She's yeah? good. She's sleeping in the other room right now. Um, mm. I mean, obviously, like completely dip- different from that <laughs> lump of flesh she was like, uh, you know, just a, as a one month old. So she's, you know, she's got that smile. You know, I saw, saw some pics. And yeah, I've, I've she's forced gorgeous. you to look at the pics. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the that's the she's thing. So that cute. It's been an ongoing theme because you know some babies are like not good looking. You know what I mean? Like they're just like eh. some babies are ugly. Some babies are like okay, and some babies are like extraordinarily good looking. Yeah, she is. And I'm, I'm not. I've never been a vain person in my life, but like yeah. I am kind of like obsessed with how good looking she is, <laughs> and so is my wife. And we're you know it's just like a nice thing to be happy about. Yeah, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm always like, oh, we got to get out there. We got to get you know, get her so like people can see her and stuff. I'm always like, opening up the. Um, she's the, got the a cover. great smile. Did you take that photo, the one where she's on the on the floor of the kitchen? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's the other thing too. She's a very happy baby. Like some babies are like kind of neutral or or like you know, not not necessarily f- like fussy, but like not necessarily smiley either. Yeah. But she's at least around people she she knows. Um, like you know, the two of us obviously in like immediate family, some friends been around her a bit more she uh smiles a lot which is which is very nice very cute so it's um, been a great experience so far it's been good yeah mm-hmm. i think i was like giving glowing initial reviews like uh six seven months ago i guess right when we were, we were chatting mm-hmm. um i think glowing we were, reviews yeah five, you gave five her five stars good. on amazon well yeah not just her but like the whole <laughs> the whole being a being a dad thing right let me, right, cra- right. Hold on, let me crack my beer because it's uh always gotta have a beer on the pod yeah um yeah, it's been it's been good. Um, I kind of remember saying this thing to you, and I think Adam and Kyle were on that call as well. Maybe the last time I was on um, about like being uh, like this being, it, the pat leave, like the six four weeks I took off. I think mm-hmm. um, just being a very happy time because it was like new and frenetic, and you're like losing sleep and awake and trying to do with a screaming baby all the time and trying to like figure shit out but that didn't that was never a negative you know what i mean it was just like challenges that you now have to get you know you just you have to get through and the outcomes the uh the rewards are well the, the outcomes are very rewarding um i i think that's and i think i mentioned too on that call that like you know i throughout my life throughout the last like maybe couple couple of decades of my life i've been through tough spots like some depression and that kind of thing and this was a time when I felt like it kind of went away for a little while, like after, you know, uh, a mm. long period of going through some stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that since then, <laughs> some of that, like those bad feelings have come back a little bit, you know, just like getting back into regular life, having a stressful job, like a high demand job and other things happening, you know. Um, You're back in orbit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just like back doing some some normal stuff, like life's completely different with the kid, but like back to doing some normal stuff. 
and then those stresses have come in and like those things that, you know, I think it's more, it's not depression as much as it's anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. been seeping back in. But what I notice about that with respect to the kid is like, I only have anxiety about other facets of my life that doesn't have to do with my daughter. Every, mm. everything to do with my daughter is like, you know, it's not like there's no worries. Like obviously, you know, we've had, we've had, we've had a couple of like health scares and stuff and, Maybe just like, but, but what about like? Are you talking about like work stuff? You know, yeah, like you, work is work is back to making me you. Exercise. So, but do you draw a line between that and you know your your raising your your daughter in the sense that those are not intimately linked or or because like I guess in my mind I would if I was just kind of like putting myself in your shoes as best mm-hmm. I can, I would be like shit. You know, like I gotta like I'm working because i'm raising her <laughs> you know like a, oh or, no, no that's that's definitely it and I, I don't know if i said this um on the pod i, I said this to a friend recently who i was trying to tell tell about my job but partly because i was trying to hire him but i was just being very like i'm much more mercenary that's the term we use here on this pod anyway right about work yeah i'm much more mercenary about work now because it's about you know making banks so i can uh, provide for the for the kid and for my wife and for my family. The clarity of the right? transaction is much yeah, higher yeah, that yeah, way. I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this topic has come up a million times on Escape from Planet, right? Like, especially around once you have the kid, you have some more clarity on what why you're working that job, yeah. as opposed to just toiling in a job, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like I've, I've it's also made me more aggressive. Like I've asked for a raise, first time I've ever asked for a raise. Oh, really? So, yeah, interesting. And it yeah. worked. <laughs> uh-huh. So it was a good raise. So and you know that's that's important too because there is that. Uh, financial piece you can't ignore but the anxiety i get from work is just like it's a high demanding job you know it's it's a you know you'd be very have to be very high functioning sleep loss is not helpful um there's anxiety there about like the state of the business all that do you think people change their their view of you knowing that you have uh you know you're raising a, a family or is it do they not care I don't, I mean, they ask like how the kid's doing and stuff. But I don't think they really care. It's, it also happens to be a company. It's a startup, but it's a company that has a lot of parents. Like it's a much more mature startup. Okay. Like median age is like, you know, more in the thirties, forties than in the twenties kind of thing. Yeah. So like the culture at the, at the quote unquote in this remote job, but like offices, people have fucking kids anyway. Like they have to work a pretty strict nine to five. People block off time to pick up their kids from daycare, drop them off for soccer. Right. Like shit like that that makes it much more easy to deal with just from like a, you know, like an hours in a day perspective. But the particular role I'm in is just like high demanding. So I have to like work extra hours sometimes. And, you know, I'm, I'm also at the point where I'm like, I want to start to make a plan to not work extra hours because I want to spend them working when I should be with my child when mm. she's grown up. Right. So, yeah. so and you, and you don't, I'm sure you don't feel bad about that. You're like, fuck it, I'm out of here. I got to go do my thing or. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And I like, I, I find that on weekends now I like, Sometimes I know I have to think about work because there's like some shit coming up on Monday, but I just don't do it. Right. <laughs> I just like right. don't give a fuck, right? Um, you know, I'm actually looking forward to, uh, I always look forward to Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving because it's the two days of the year. I've always worked for American companies where I can uh, go in and, um, you know, work in peace instead of being in meetings all the time. So. Oh, yeah. Like it, it clears out. Like, yeah. No, there's like no emails going back and forth. Like, you know, no, no emails, no meetings. I can actually get shit done. Okay. She's crying now. So I'll be right back. I'll be back. I'll pause it. Yeah. Five, 10 minutes. All right. Dad duties are done. Yeah. For for now. now. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a, there's a bit of a, you get, you get into the kind of like pattern of like when she wakes up and stuff and how long the soother went to let her kind of go and uh, 
keep uh, keep on crying it out as as per the yeah. sleep training and so on that we're doing. So did so your did, did your wife take? Did you and your wife like each take um, classes? No paternity and. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's still on. She's still on mad leave. So we get like either a year, up to a year, or wow. if you want to extend it, is 16. that a government guarantee kind of thing? Yeah, but it's like you know, it's like fifty five percent your salary up to a cap kind of thing. It's really, it's not a lot, but still, it's better good. than my understanding is nothing. Like my American colleagues are always like, "What the fuck?" When I tell them about both, like the amount of government mat and pat leave we get. Yeah. So the the partner, like the like me, me, I get like uh, six six weeks. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, so they're surprised about that. And the other thing they're surprised about is that, like, we're now trending towards $10 a day daycare, which is apparently, like, unheard of in the U.S. So that's a huge, you know, benefit of being up here. How many, how many weekdays are there in a month, right? Like uh, 20? Yeah, maybe something like 21. So they're talking $200 Canadian? Yeah. That's oh, my God. Of... I mean, that's free. Like, I got friends that are paying, like, thousands yeah yeah well, you, it used yeah. to be thousands it's not it's not ten dollars a day yet they're working towards that it's like maybe at 40 to 50 depending on mm. where you're at um but uh they're starting you know it's like a, a slow rollout they're trending towards that much right that seems um, extremely civilized to me well i mean otherwise how are you gonna get the fucking birth rate up you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and also right? just like, yeah but and, and also just that's just like this that's just a you know right thing to do <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like that's just the right thing to do i mean yeah without even any larger social engineering goals here and it's not sh- even mm-hmm. like look at europe right like i saw to my romanian co-workers and they're like yeah we get like like many months of fully covered salary mm. right as opposed mm-hmm. to like partial for you know a little bit some, some amount of time so it, it you know it's not perfect here and it, i think it's um like obviously it's it's just <laughs> comparatively better than in the U.S. And there's the healthcare factor too, right? Like we actually had a healthcare where we had to take it to the hospital and I didn't even have to think about paying for anything. Right. Right. But in a situation where your kid, your baby kid is like at the hospital, you pay for whatever the hell they need. Right. And that might, that might bankrupt you in some cases or. I mean, if you're insured, like if you're well insured in America, like things are pretty nice. Yeah. I I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, You know, but it's all, you know, that can be taken away from you. you (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a handcuff. Right. And like, you know, when I was um, briefly down the States working, like talking to some of my coworkers, there's a lot of tech people, right? So there's a lot of guys from like India and stuff, H1B kind of situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're like, yeah, you basically like you're at the whim of your, the company, especially if you come in here and you like establish a family and so on. It's 100% by design. Yeah, well, no kidding, right? Because then they can do whatever the fuck they want to you, treat you how they want, right? I think, yeah. in, I mean, in tech, it's kind of like you get treated <laughs> decently well in some cases, maybe not at all, but like compared to other situations where you're you're an immigrant with a visa, working on a visa, um, you get paid well enough to have a good life and all that. So, yeah. You know, yeah, we'll but, see. I think there's going to be some, I think there's some rumblings. I mean, there's like major layoffs here in New York City in the finance sector and, oh yeah, you know. I know yeah. it continues to happen in the tech sector here. Um, yep. I, I mean, part of being a mercenary is that like every week or so I go check LinkedIn for, you know, to make sure that the jobs are still flowing if they need an exit, exit valve. And mm-hmm. I'm not concerned about, I've talked to some other companies while I've been here too. And in, in this otherwise like decently stable for now startup. Um, the loss but, of healthcare, like, you know, I mean here, like 
you can still get access to employer healthcare, but through this program called Cobra, if you get laid mm-hmm. off, but you have to buy into it. Like they don't, you know, they're not subsidizing you oh, well, anymore, right? So you have to cut, buy it. Right? Now it's still significantly better and cheaper than going into uh, the Obamacare market oh, and, really? and buying, you know, just sort of like private off the shelf yeah. health insurance. Yeah. But, you know, and, and you can only do it for like, uh, like not that long, you know, like yeah. 12 months, 18 months, something like that. I was just listening to some uh, podcast about like, uh, uh, it's called Duran. You might have heard of it. I, think oh, I listen like... to it regularly. Yeah. Like oh, the okay, foreign yeah. policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. really good. Yeah. So I was listening mm-hmm. to the one where they had a panel of guys. This came out like a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, really good. And one of the guys was talking about just like the cost of living in the US being a drag on their options for growing out of the situation they're in right now in terms of like pivoting back to being an industrial powerhouse. And one one fact they brought up was that like Americans pay twenty grand a year for health insurance premiums, and I understand it's not always like you're you're paying it directly, like maybe your employer is paying it, right? But is that true? Is it like fucking twenty thousand USD a year to cover for a family? For a family, sure, for a family, right? Like household. Uh, that would be probably like an average. You know, that would be pretty average. I think. That sounds insane. Oh, it's insane. I mean, like, there's so many, you know, like, I constantly see these, like, articles where these were, um, it's a column called Can I Retire? <laughs> and it's like a market. <laughs> it's not like NBC or some shit, like NBC. Yeah, it's, like that, Can I retire? It's, it's like Market Watcher Bloomberg or something. <laughs> and, and so it's like all these people, it's kind of like, um, you know, like Dear Prudence, but it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm I'm 56. I have yeah. 1.5 million dollars liquid cash. I own a home outright. You know, like yeah. Can I retire? And mm-hmm. every single answer is like no, no because you got to think about what you're going to do for healthcare. <laughs> oh, healthcare is <laughs> like that's going to eat away at your savings pretty quick. So okay. the answer is no, sir. You can't. <laughs> wow. Like, but I have like I literally have one and a half million dollars cash and yeah. I own a house to like. Yeah, but you got to think about healthcare. Yeah, we have the, we have those articles too, and like the Global Mail and stuff. It's a it's a common column, but it's always like either some millennial who is fucking broke, and the answer is like you can never afford a home. Yeah, or it's like some extremely rich couple that has that like is it like semi retired and has a bunch of you know properties and crazy assets, and it's more like how are you going to divvy up all this money for your grandchildren? It's, it's mm-hmm. there's not a lot of kind of middle ground there, though. Maybe yeah. maybe that. Mil- Poor millennials actually the middle ground, um, you know, these days in the city. So it's especially bad for older people. Like when they, I mean, because like you can't get, you know, government Medicare till you're you're in your like mid sixties. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so like you're, you know, these people they're they're like fifty some, you know, they've got plenty of cash saved up. They're they're, they're grown. Ch- their children are grown. Yeah, and they literally have to just keep. They have enough money to live, like mm-hmm. more than enough money to just live day to day. But the problem is that when you get old, healthcare prices go way way up yeah yeah you know and you're on your own and they're just like okay well fuck you then i mean uh guys like you got to work so that you can afford the doctors and any you know any major medical conditions that pop up otherwise you're screwed so so people have to work you know at least another 10 15 years just to uh you know just to get the health care yeah yeah, it all revolves around healthcare, right? Any, yeah. I guess, any else of like remaining student debt, you know, your mortgage, oh, your cars, they, or whatever. And they else love you... it. They love it. Wait, yeah. but you mean the people living there love it? Like loving? No, they like love the, paying the the, the the capitalists, you know? Oh yeah, was, no, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, what are they going to do? Not right? work? You know, like? Oh yeah, no, so, totally. Yeah, it's it's and, and and Americans don't really give a shit because for the most part, Americans are fine. 
you know, we're all, we like in our normal state, we're working and we have benefits. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there's a minority of people who don't, you know, work for low wages and don't get benefits, but you know, nobody cares about them. Um, and then there's people who have no job, but that's their fault. Um, if you're a good person, you have a job. And, you know, if you're a decent human being, you're going to have a job with benefits because, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're a good person, right? And so the idea really is like, yo, you know, if you're like a decent human being, you have perfectly fine healthcare. So what's mm-hmm. the problem? Mm-hmm. The problem is that most people, um, I'm just, I mean, I'm being facetious, obviously, in, in how I'm describing people, but like the problem yeah. is that a lot of, you know, this will have crises, like where all of a sudden, like everyone's losing their job at the same time. <laughs> You know, uh, like happened during COVID. Um, it might happen again next year if the recession starts to starts to snowball. And so you're going to get, you know, we in normal times, we're just like, yeah, hey, I'm a decent human being. I have no problem with employer. I love my employer health plan. And then but that doesn't account for, you know, the 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 sort of extraordinary circumstances where you lose your job, you know, or everyone loses their job. So. Yeah, I, I really do wonder what it was like, like just after 2008, you know, um, I was just obviously having Canada's look a little bit different, but I was like out of college a couple of years after that. But at that time, I, I well, I, I didn't really think much of it back then. But now I think about like, for those who had lost their homes or jobs at that time, like, are those the people who are now like homeless in the streets of Philly? Like what's going on with the margins there? You know, because to yeah. your point, and, and, it, and it sounds like it could happen again next year or the year after, right? If uh, things keep spiraling. But right now, Canada is in, in a much closer spot to recession than you guys are. You guys seem, seem to have a pretty healthy-ish, like mm. the, the top line numbers look healthy. Yeah. Whereas here, it's like... It's, ug- it's ugly underneath. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, totally. And you, we talked about, you guys talk about that a lot on the pod, but mm-hmm. um, the top line numbers for Canada like are looking bad now. Like unemployment starting to go up and, you know, GDP is like not like we're not doing a whole lot. <laughs> There's not a lot of, whole lot of output. Um, you know, restaurant spend is bit, like being decimated, right? Retail spend is being decimated. It's going to be really? a bad Black Friday. Wow. Um, there's, here, a, there's an so. account on Twitter called Geonomics. It's like this super bear guy um, and he keeps mm-hmm. showing. Um, I was just curious what you think. Like he shows a lot of like GTA uh greater toronto area for the listeners uh houses oh uh, yeah in places like brampton and stuff and and they're a lot of them are dropping like pretty significantly yep. Uh, yep. back to you know sort of pre-covid levels yeah 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 it's uh i mean we have a very crazy ratcheted up real estate you know situation there's always graphs showing like oh it's bad in america but see how bad it is in canada mm. um so yeah i mean it's it's that powder keg situation right and we're getting we're a lot closer to it than the U.S. is, but it may not be a, more than a difference of like four to six months. <laughs> and it, this just doesn't seem as terrifying because you don't, you know, um, you don't lose your benefits, and yeah, um, that's just a huge. That's just a huge fear in the United States. You know, even in a way, even more so than um, losing your income stream because you know it's not. It's 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 also about the unknown, right? Like if you're uninsured, you're just like totally you're just totally exposed to ruin. I mean, it's like so easy to have something happen where it's going to take half a million dollars, you know? (laughs) Yeah. uh, So it's just, I don't know. It's scary. And maybe, I mean, I think also a lot of people just like have those debts because they had some health issue and they're kind of getting along because they're just sitting on, on some like insane loan (laughs) to pay off that debt as well. Right. So there's a lot of that. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, the, the loss of work, 
and the loss of security is a thing that is much more serious now. But like my anxiety around that is isolated to kind of that as like a, you know, like my job kind of isolated from my child. I think the kid ratchets that, the the kind of um, the, the stakes up. Right. But when I think about the, like my, my daughter herself, I don't have a lot of anxieties about her. Like she's, doing well you know overall that's like the health is like that's like the number one thing her health is good right we had a a, a, you know a few health scares leading up to the birth and then afterwards like she's been underweight on the kind of who you know like percentile scale or whatever right and we worried about that worried about that but i always pointed out to my wife that like you know developmental wise like she is great and in some ways like ahead of the curve in terms of like intelligence and interaction and all that stuff you want to see right it's no joke, man. Because I had a I had a friend whose um, son had these like congenital like holes in his heart, mm-hmm. um, which is like a not like that rare of like a developmental flaw, but like issue. Yeah, but you kind of have to hope that it goes away. So I actually had two friends. Like one of them, it just kind of went away. Like as the heart developed, it quickly went away. Yeah, uh, but the other one no it didn't and it poor kid had to go in like four to get like four surgeries and yeah you know it was a wild ride and i remember seeing my friend when he was going through that and i was, and it was it was like you could tell it was really wearing on him so yeah it's terrifying yeah yeah my, that's, it's it's not to be taken for granted it, it is not yeah. i think and um you know i think the health of your child the safety of your child immediately becomes number one and somehow that like helps the financial anxieties, which are still anxieties, right? Kind of fade away uh, in comparison, at least when I'm thinking about her, right? Um, the, the other thing I've also noticed that, that's changed is like kind of my attitude towards like world events. Like obviously the big one right now being the, the war in Palestine. Mm, yeah, um, I'm following it a bunch on Twitter. I don't really post a lot about it, but I'm, you know, I'm probably in all the same circles that you're in online, you know, on the pro-Palestine side. Mm-hmm. And so I see a lot of like the um, the trauma, um, you know, on yeah. there. Yeah, the what do you what do you think about that? How does that hit you? Well, I've like I've definitely watched some videos of like kids either dead or injured, or or completely uninjured, but like psychologically terrified, traumatized, and damaged, yeah. traumatized, yeah. And and also videos of like the the mostly men trying to carry them out of rubble and and take care, of, you know. Mm-hmm. settle them and so on and I've, I've cried a few times watching it because it makes me think of my daughter and like the prospect of like a parent out there not having this happen to their child you know what i mean or 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 the child not knowing where their, their parent is i, I suspect that that's that. why there's a lot of pushback and, and resistance on this even though politically you know i mean we're not supposed to care about these fucking muslims and we're supposed to be very pro yeah. uh pro-israeli yeah, but it it seems like it's really not. That's really not how people feel, except for sort of the indoctrinated. You know, I don't give a fuck. Israel sure, away. yeah, yeah. Where you are, but your regular it. people. I mean, I think they see these images and they're just like, "That's a child." You know, how, yeah. Like, how could you not? You know, why are we how having could... a debate? This is not debatable. This is a child, right? Exactly. Like, stop calling that child a human shield. I don't. I don't care about the history. I don't need to know about the Levant. I don't need to know about fucking 1948 or 1967 like that is clearly wrong <laughs> you know like no no ifs ands or buts about that you know yeah i think that's generally too but one thing i i, I will say and i don't know this is a mix of things going on right because like for once we have all this imagery of this happening and imagery is extremely powerful 
and it's not just imagery it's also imagery of like the most innocent people children right and then on top of that i'm a dad now <laughs> right so but when i think about to, to like other conflicts that have happened and i guess there's maybe less energy coming out of like the iraq war and other wars have gone on even the Ukra- ukraine war but what this being quite a bit of imagery i guess right um i don't really like it doesn't like i don't know if it's because i'm i don't know emotionally void or something like i don't have strong visceral feelings about the violence going on you know in, in where like other other conflicts that have happened over the well i, I don't think we've seen images around, quite you know? like this i mean in ukraine they're they didn't, they weren't targeting civilians not like this i mean there were no. instances where um that happened but nothing like this and also like it's one thing for it to happen. Obviously, like that's horrible, but I just feel like it's another level of horror to know it's going to happen mm-hmm. and they do it anyway. It's not, yeah. you know, uh, collateral damage in, you know, bonafide military on military combat, which is, I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm just saying there wasn't like a decision made at a political level that we are involved in to some extent mm-hmm. that led to that. It, that was sort of like just that was literally fog of war stuff. But this is like, yo, we're going to bomb the pediatric ward of the hospital. Yeah, we're going to target journalists. We're, we're going to target places where there's known like women and children escaping because they told them to go to the south. Like, yeah, and they're making excuses. Insane. Like, you, you bring it up, and the, and they're just sort of like, you know, the defenders of this stuff are just like, okay, but do you condemn Hamas? Do you know what Hamas did? Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I I understand where you're going with this, but there's no, to me, this this is not debatable. This is this is a hard line, right? Yeah, like, I mean, totally on the same page. But I'm, what I'm saying is that I think that by being a father, like having a child to t- take care of myself, yeah, it it amplifies the visceral nature of the imagery, like what it must be like to be that kid's father. Yeah, because now you you <laughs> think because you yeah. you have a child that you're taking care of, you think about like you know if as an empathetic person, like what they would be going through if you were the dad who was killed. I mean, that's going straight to the heart of like your worst nightmare, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, even um, worse than your own death, don't you think? Oh, of course it is. Right. Cause like, you know, so, you know, that's been, um, (laughs) that's definitely been on my mind. And uh, also just, you know, so so it's not, I was wondering when you said that, I was like, I wonder if you're going to say that, you know, I'm tuning it out because I've, I've, I'm just really, ensconced in the daily the the daily rhythm of raising mm-hmm. this kid and I, I just don't really care that much about the outside world but it sounds like it's sort of the opposite going I'm on kinda, you I'm kind of glued to my phone over it to be honest oh, right okay. like you know I don't have a ton of free time but like I'm like very um interested to see I mean it's it's a little bit dark too it's just like you're seeing a lot of violence like there's been some really I mean you posted some pretty rough shit on your on your feed as well which I've seen right but mm. the point is that I think people have to like look at this right they have to look at it they can't but is it do you have like the opposite is there like a countervailing force where it's kind of like look it, this really doesn't have to do with your kid, you know, my, kid. my kids day to day and I I don't want to like get derailed and get sucked into this shit like I, I got to keep my head in this in 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 my shit you know the, uh, not, not really. suggesting that i'm i'm, I'm not off i'm not yeah. suggesting that i'm just wondering if you've because i feel like that would be a perfectly reasonable answer too is why i bring it up you know i i think partly no because like <laughs> like there's a lot of violence and it's very visceral but also like i, I play a lot of video, violent video games so there's also this kind of like i can handle seeing it you know 
Um, and I, I want to see it because I want to know what's going on. I mean, that's why we care about the news, right? We want to know what's going on. We want to be informed. Does your, does your wife also feel like she wants to follow this and know what's going on? She doesn't do it as much as I am because she's not on Twitter, right? And mm-hmm. most of the friends I talk to who have opinions about these things don't see, like, it's not just the imagery. It's the fact that it's so um, widely shared on a, on, if you care to look for it. And you can find either side. You can find the Israeli side. You can find the Palestinian side, right? I happen to be looking at all the stuff on Israel, the Palestinian side. But you can go and get the full, full blast of information that you wouldn't get otherwise from the radio or TV. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's right? uncensored. Let's put it that it's way. A, yeah, there's, exactly. a of, there's a lot it's, of it's B-roll exactly. that wouldn't have made it yeah, yeah, yeah. into the mainstream yeah. media. The, red, the red triangles, you know, like that shit, right? That's not oh, yeah, much, yeah. That's not yeah, the play red triangles. CBC. Yeah. So, um, so the, I kind of like that stuff. That that stuff is kind of cool. That's I, find it, I find it, yeah, I, I find it interesting yeah. <laughs> to, to watch that. We're talking about those um, videos of like the, those, the, Al, what is it called? The Al, whatever the Hamas the brigades yeah. are, where yeah. they like, dude runs up to a fucking Merkava tank and like sticks a sticks a bomb on it and then runs and away his, and then, then his shoot buddy it. like no scopes it with a yeah. fucking <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's mm-hmm. really crazy and I don't know there's also a part of it where you're like if you're on the, on the Palestinian side you're, you're celebrating some kind of pushback right military pushback I guess mm-hmm. maybe um, you know and, and also at least in those scenes it's like it's it's warfare it's like Okay, yes. you're an army versus an army. It's not fucking, you know, nuking yeah. children. So Yeah, like that's legit it's warfare. Bit, it's legit yeah. warfare, exactly, yeah. right? So it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you, you don't, like, we would not see those images if you were just watching this shit on CNN or CBC or whatever. Right? Yeah. So, um, and so that's interesting to get that that view as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I think having the, having the child definitely makes me think differently about it. One thing I definitely think about, too, and I, I don't know, like, I used to never give a shit about protests, you know, mm. the, you know the, the whole I am not an activist thing that we've been we've been pushing along here mm-hmm. at Plan A. But but I also kind of feel like I would like my child to she's too young to understand any of this shit. Right. And maybe this will be, all be over by the time she even can discern anything from like a protest. But to to understand that this is going on in history is something that seems like it's going to be of importance to me to teach my my kid. Mm. Um, yeah. Like I'm thinking about basically the future politics of my of my kid, like more, and the mm. the wars, you know, bringing up questions and ideas around that too. I think, um, I, I think that's a pretty good idea because, um, you know, people are gonna. I think people are gonna look back on this time and and you know, kind of like where you fell, like what your views on this are, like that's gonna be judged later, is what yeah. I think. You know, yeah. I, I think there's like a full, there's a very, very strong uh, pro-Israel propaganda effort going on right now for for very understandable and obvious reasons, mm-hmm. which is they've got to they've got to counteract all this shit that's coming through on on social media mm-hmm. with their own form of uh, what you would call propaganda. Very, very bad propaganda. <laughs> very yeah. awful. I mean, this Hasbara stuff is just embarrassing. Yeah. But like, and kind of scary actually. So a lot of it's kind of creepy, because mm-hmm. um, like unfiltered fascism. They're they're like, yo, uh, <laughs> I don't know. We got so- We got to get the sperm from the dead soldiers. You see, so we. <laughs> oh my god, the sperm jacking stuff was like, yeah. what? What the fuck? Um, and then I don't know, whatever. It's and it's like, I think that when this eventually will calm down, um, and 
when it calms down, there'll be less of of pressure to um, go full court press on all this. Like, into, and the worst part of it isn't even the propaganda; it's the bullying tactics and the threats. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, not just not just bullying, but like people losing their fucking jobs. Yeah, right? people losing their jobs. You know, that's very ugly. Yeah. It's a very ugly yeah. thing to to do to someone because they didn't support your political cause. That's right. And when that calms down, I think that we're going to look back on this era and just be like, yo, there were some crazy motherfuckers. There's some crazy shit that was going on. And I don't want to be one of those people that were like, oh, you know, I wish I could go back in time and change what I was thinking or said and thought about mm. this because mm. um, I don't think I don't think it's going to be a good fit. It's going to be a bad thing, I think, to 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 go along with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And I think, you know, in the workplace, the best thing you can do is just to shut the fuck up. You know, if you're concerned about preserving your your uh, your job in a lot of these cases, um, but at least inside, at least, or maybe in private conversation, you know, having some conviction about the side that you think is the right one is is important here. And I, I guess it's about like teaching my kid to have those convictions maybe in the future. Um, this is a uh, kind of related, not related, but I was having, um, I posted some photos in our, our discord, but I was having dinner with uh, Steve who, who just moved to Asia. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a dad, right. And, uh, we're talking about our kids and we had a discussion about like how to raise your kid to not be a shit lib mm. <laughs> basically. Mm. And, um, he, I mean, I think he, he just believes this is not possible if you're living in, in Canada, America, North America, the West. Hmm. whatever right mm-hmm. maybe that's part of why he he moved out mm-hmm. um i i disagree with him i think i disagree a, but i i understand a, why where he's coming from but go on yeah yeah, yeah for yeah. sure and I, yeah. I think it's an uphill battle for sure i mean like they're just going to be you know inculcated in whatever they and their peers are up to at school and so on right not just what you're you're giving them at home mm-hmm. um but i also think that like a lot of parents just don't have a very strong hand or firm hand in guiding the you know a kid's like political development if you want to call it that right um and it just not just about politics but also like everything about your your convictions your beliefs you know outside of religious families i guess right Mm -hmm. um and i think that's what lets them slip into whatever the heck they're being fed on i guess in the future would be you know social media right but Mm -hmm. um what what they're getting from their peers basically so and not that the peers are necessarily wrong right because at least like look at this conflict here right look at where gen z stands versus boomers on this right it's it's divided by age it's not divided by political standing right republican or democrat this this might be an interesting segue back to because like when i reached out to you um Mm -hmm. i had in my mind like you know we we've we've we started this thing like six years ago Mm -hmm. right something like that um maybe maybe five or six years ago just after trump right just after trump and when we were doing this like we were talking a lot about like the Asian American shit that was going on on Reddit. And it was very yeah. like this gender wars and, yeah. uh, you know, Asian, gu- who, who's got the sh- shorter straw, like Asian guys <laughs> or Asian women and you know, all this stuff. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why one, I cared about that stuff, which I did. And I really don't feel like I do anymore uh, to the point where I'm kind of like, um, there's this account on Twitter of a she claims to be Dina Hua. 
Yeah, Lena Yo, I was going to bring her up on this call with this this pod with you because I was going to ask you what you thought about that account. Yeah, so okay, so the background on this account is she claims to be a 24 year old Chinese German woman mm-hmm. uh, who I think mo- she now lives in China or Shanghai or something, and she just she just tweets a lot of like Reddit level shit about you know like yeah whether like she's comparing like the value of Chinese prostitutes versus like Korean prostitutes was like one tweet that really annoyed me. Yeah. There was another one where it was like, um, Hispanics have barely higher IQ than blacks. Yeah. She got into very science stuff. And then she was just like, you know, I'm, I only date Asian men because I don't care about dick size and you know, all this stuff. And I was like, (laughs) okay, this is all gutter shit. And it's annoying. Like anytime someone starts bringing this stuff up, like my instinct is just to be like, just shut it down. Yeah. Which is exactly the stuff that we used to complain about. Remember was like, you know, the our Asian American moderators would like shut down discussion about this stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I kind of understand that though. I'm coming at this from a different, I think, I think a different perspective, but I, I do see how like um, the reason her account annoys me is because I can see it opening up the fucking Pandora's box about a lot of this shit. And the reason I feel like I would rather put a tamp down on it is because I think there's a better way to talk about this. I mean, not the R Asian American way of like avoiding the topic, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's a better way to go about this from a more top down um, approach where it's like, okay, let's lay out like what we know about, Asian diaspora cultural experience mm-hmm. from a serious point of view and not, you know, these like stupid sort of um, provocateur type posts is kind of where I'm coming from on, with her. Or it, 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 some people claim it's a guy, but I don't really yeah, care. I think it's a lot. But anyway, yeah. you're saying like instead of just being anymore. provocative, you're saying like think about it from – quote unquote first principles of what it means to be in the diaspora, what like our experiences here and so on. Rather than trying to, you know, talk about dick sizes and so on and start from <laughs> Yeah, because I feel like in the, you know, when we started this, um I was looking at I was new to a lot of this stuff. Like I I, I yeah. didn't really I w- I won't claim total ignorance about a lot of this stuff, but I didn't really think that it was like that loaded. And then I went online and I was like, God damn, like yeah, some shit. of the things people say is pretty fucked up. I will yeah. admit, like this is a problem, you know. And then I, I just started picking up on a lot of the gaslighting and the lying, and then the blaming, uh, you know. And there was just a lot of bullshit and blaming. And mm-hmm. you know, I didn't like the fact that Asian guys seem to always get singled out for being, you know, toxic. And I'm like, I'm an Asian guy. I have a lot of Asian guy friends, and we're not toxic, at least. Not by the standards that these people are talking about online, you know. Sure, like, yeah. We don't treat we don't talk about women that way or you know other races that way. Like we don't do that. Um. So I just got felt like you know I just want to fight back a little bit against this stuff, you know. Like and then and then we were, were we would um look at you know maybe some like Asian American pro, you know history professor type that was saying a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I, that stuff still makes me mad. And especially when they start talking about politics, it's just awful. Yeah. 
or in this case, it, you know, in the case of Palestine, Gaza, not not saying anything at all, but you know. Oh yeah. Um, whereas before they were like, hey, it's very important for Asian Americans to stand up for, stand up for show yeah. solidarity for other groups, and now they're just like, yeah, I'm not yep. saying anything. I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, losers. at least they're, I guess they they're they're that smart. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I thought that you're. I mean, maybe that's what you got pulled into once we started doing Plan A and, and looking more into the online diaspora, if that's what we were examining over the last six years. But I thought you were pulled into the Reddit part initially because of Trump and like trying to figure out what the, not sure if it's the Asian male reaction, but like the kind of like-minded reaction would be to Trump. At kind time. of, yeah. I mean, because I got invited by Albert Herr to come and post in our Asian masculinity about Trump because I was, oh, because I was a Reddit person, but not. I wasn't in Asian Reddit. I was like in the more just sort of like regular ass Reddit mainstream. Oh, Reddit. so Albert Herr found you in like our politics or something? So yeah, exactly. Because oh, I, really? I because okay. because I, I was get, I was no. constantly getting into fights with people because we would have normal discussions about stuff, and then someone would say a fucking racist Asian joke for no reason. Yeah. And then I would have to fucking get into a fight with someone like, dude, what, what makes you think that you could just say that? Yeah. Uh, and, and then I think Albert, if I recall correctly, uh, it was on one of those f- sort of fights that I was having online about this casual a- anti-Asian racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, yo, you know, come to, you know, dude, get, you got to get off this shit. You got to come into Asian Reddit. And then it was like a whole new world. <laughs> I went in there. I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, what are, what are these Asian, ratchet ass Asian people saying? Jesus. Yeah. And why are they keep fucking talking shit about Asian guys like this? Like, what the fuck, man? You know, like, I, like, I don't, I wasn't used to this. I was like, nobody, why would you talk about us this way? <laughs> and then I'm like, yo, those are Asian people saying that? What? Yeah. You know? And yeah, I it's just, the power—the power of anonymity or pseudonymity, I guess, online, right? Like the, you let the id come out or whatever. You know, you, yeah. you let the kind of dark side come out, which I think made it hard to look away from once you were in there. That's how—that's how I like experienced it. Like I also went in not knowing um, what to ex- like, not expecting this, right? Not really thinking much about stuff like WMAF and all those kind of hot topics um, for RAM and RAI. For those two subreddits, but they were just the topics du jour. They're not anymore. It's actually quite different now. I, Chris sometimes sends me um, posts from like our Asian mask, and they're they're quite different now. Well, there's a lot of similar themes, but there's the the, the vibe is completely different, right? There's no, there's a lot less kind of like fussing over the, the dating thing, right? That was. Why do you before. think that is? That's good. But oh, like, why I, do you I know exactly is? why that is. We, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit before, but like it's because. Like it's not shitty to be an Asian guy anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's because like it's because of Asia becoming cool. It's because of like you know K-pop. You want to call it that? How you right? It's because like that's been accepted into the mainstream, especially for white people getting into it as well as a validation point. It's because there's slightly better media for Asian guys. It's because like you know Gen Z and and younger millennials don't have the same uh, animosity. Um, both both like. Asian woman and non-Asian woman towards Asian guys in the same way that millennial and older, you know, Gen X and so on do. Mm. Like, it's just a generational shift that's that's that happened. And like the the funny thing, I, I've always found this so funny thinking about this and talking to Chris about it is like all these fucking assholes, these fucking toxic guys on REM and especially REI, these like the, the actual MR Asians, REI the being sh- uh, Asian identity, Asian identity, yeah. Um, None of none of the shit they did, all the harassment campaigns, all the stuff they did, 
had any effect on making things better for the people they they said that they were representing, right? Asian guys in in America. It was it was the stuff happening from Asia and also just time passing that solved the, their problems, right? Their their existential crisis. So mm. I thought, I mean, it was just some, sometimes things just like resolve themselves. <laughs> um, and in this case it did, you know, I don't know if it was like whatever, Chong Chi or uh, uh, everything ever all at once winning the Oscar or whatever shit that, that made things better. Not I mean, not those two, right. But all, all the other media stuff that, that actually did end up helping, like that was what cleared up the problem. If you want to call it a problem for those guys, not their, you know, crazy, posting up statistics about like dating disparities or calling out hypocrisies of, of, um, you know, Asian feminists who date white guys and shit like that. Like none of that stuff actually mattered. Right. That was, those are just harassment campaigns. And I think those were, I think what it felt like to me were people who were trying to press their thumbs into the eyes of people like gratuitously, like, you know, I'm like, you're looking at these frustrated, Sort of like, you know, like, I would say understandably annoyed and irritated Asian dudes. And then people were just like jamming their thumbs in there into these guys' eyes. Yeah. You know, and I was just thinking like, okay, look, I mean, I'm an Asian guy. Like, I I don't think I should just stand around and accept that. Hmm. You know, and I'm like, and then I see people responding to that and in a very like unproductive way. And I don't know, part of me would just like... I would, I guess I was said, I just felt like, man, I would, I feel, I would feel like I surrendered, even though I got to say, like, this was never my problem. Like I have other problems. Okay. Like this, this isn't my problem. I have other problems. Right. But dating isn't my problem. Not because I can date whoever I want or whatever like that. I just didn't care. This wasn't my issue. Like I didn't care. I didn't, I wasn't worried why I wasn't getting dates with this or this or that woman. Like I just didn't care. Um, yeah, I mean, and over the course of doing Planet, like, you know, long-term relationship, I'm a dad now, like, it wasn't my issue. I think in some ways issue. that lets you see it a little bit more clearly. If you're not dealing with the sexual frustration that all these guys were online, right? Like, I can never fully put my my feet in their shoes, I guess. That's I could I tell the same. difference between someone who... that That's what I started noticing, and I think that's how we as a group started forming. I could notice the difference between someone who was frustrated... Um for you know like you said either sexually frustrated or just there was some personal affront like some personal obstacle mm-hmm. of whatever sort that was kind of fucking with them versus people who I thought were looking at this and going like there is a deeper like pr- problem of principle here like why are there double standards like why yeah 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 the oxford condo uh principle right oh right yeah Yeah. Yeah. but yeah just like why where are these double standards coming from like why why does it feel like people are normalizing shit that's like quite racist against you know and why is everything that you say about asian people like gendered and like why do you keep accusing like asian guys of being toxic like what like what where is this coming from you know yeah. and it was just so weird i'm like and then i realized later as time goes on and we kept plugging away at it i'm like this is part of a larger american cultural phenomenon this is not unique to us at all and i think that yeah, was I- that for me was a major sort of like realization and actually kind of changed the way I think, I think it actually had a huge effect on me personally. 
because I started realizing like this Asian American stuff is like so um it it's so in it's so synth- like uh, artificial in a way because we're just like private labeling stuff that's like happening happening all around not just the country but around the world and but we've but we kept on insisting that we like put a private label on it and say that this is our problem and it wasn't it was a, a larger cultural thing that was going on you know yeah it's especially interesting when we talk to like T and Q those guys right yeah. and they're like yeah you know the black diaspora first <laughs> i mean similar frameworks of things happening right not the exact same replication right of of the of the quote-unquote problems yeah um but yeah i mean i agree and i think also like as as we matured our thoughts around that we kind of started linking the issues um to things like geopolitics and kind of bigger world issues and just like dating and i think that led to other interesting conversations i think covid was also a big piece thrown in there that kind of opened your eyes towards those big problems of like oh like there's fucking violence against elders like how can we talk about you know uh like dating and so on when there's all this other stuff going on in america that's very real you know i i want i i agree with that though i think my 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 view on that is um that i'm not advocating because that can say and i I feel like we knew people who were taking this approach and i i i personally i just personally didn't agree with that i'm not saying it's wrong it's just not my approach is that it's sort of saying like okay there's all these stupid like you know Asian incel problems that these bitches are like whining about all day, but there's larger problems like, yeah. uh, like George Floyd at the time, you know, yeah. or there's, you know, there's, uh, there's the Ukraine thing or there's the Israel thing and all this stuff. And I'm going to go out and, um, because these are more important things, I'm going to give myself up to these larger movements and become an activist. And I was like, that's not really it either for me. I don't really care to be an activist, you know? Yeah. It was it was more that um, I always thought like the pro- from the beginning in a way because I came into this through politics right like the Trump thing like I, I kept thinking like the problem is that there's we just don't have an identity and if you don't have an identity you can't have a political you can't have political takes and I saw a lot of like old like the these older model Asian guys like <laughs> you know like version one types. That just didn't seem to have any strong political opinions about stuff, you know. Like Are you talking like, about like the the older guys posting on our Asian mass, like the guys in like their late thirties, forties. Like, yeah, like they were just like these very bland sort of lift more, earn more types, and they were yeah. just like, yeah, don't waste your time with like other shit, like you know. They're, yeah, yeah, it, it was it's just totally like this individualistic, yeah, yeah, and this very insular like dismissal of everyone else in the world. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, those people are idiots. You don't you know, fucking idiots. Like, do what I do, and then they were into some fucking weird internet thingy that you know, <laughs> like you know, people who were like doing hustle side hustle shit or yeah, yeah yeah selling shit on amazon and it's like dude that's not a life i mean you can earn money that way i'm not saying you can't do that but like don't don't be like yo this is the thing that you got to care about you know and i'm not saying that because you want to be an activist and you want to have some larger purpose to drown out the boredom of your own life that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is like the uh, the the to me, having strong opinions about stuff was a sign that you had a personality. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you had, you were coming from somewhere. Like, you know, like you were part of a group, uh, a line. You looked at your family situation and then your politics were 
driven by that identity. And I just kept seeing this vision of like Asian Americans just sort of like blanding, like blandening ourselves, if that's a word, <laughs> into oblivion. I'm just like, we're just going to become the most bland fucking people uh, ever and not have any strong opinions about anything because we don't really know or care about anything. Yeah. yeah or in the case of those academics, like it's too dangerous to have an opinion, right? Maybe you do have mm-hmm. an opinion, but you don't want to say it because um, you're, you're terrified. Um, and there's no, there's no bigger cause you're, you're, you're setting up for in any way. Right. This is what, I, this is what I mean by like going back to like talking about trying to teach your child convictions, you know, um, to have some strong stance, at least in life. Right. Where, where I did not for a long time, I think up until plan A didn't really think much about things like politics, um, at all. I, I think so. that, um, the concern that you that were talking about with, um, uh, Steve is mm-hmm. that Steve's like, I think Steve's concern about his kids becoming shit libs in Canada with no real sense and identity of who they are is it's still fundamentally a racial problem because I think that my the what I've come to conclude over all this time of thinking about this and the fundamental question for me is like, why are Asian diaspora in America so fucking weird? Like one, what is it like trying to quantify or, or, or name, sorry, to name the problem? What does, what is it? And then two, like, why does it happen? And I think the reason it happens, uh, I mean, the, what I think is pretty obvious, but the, why, I think it's because, like, this might be even so obvious as to, like, not, you know, I, I don't even know why it took me this long to, to, to think of it this way. But, like, basically, if you're a visible minority of mm-hmm. a group that's not the preferred group, you know, you're, a, you're an Asian or you're black or, you know, visibly not white, mm-hmm. there's a very strong pressure to be the type, you know, I think what's wrong, what what is inaccurate is to say that Asian diaspora are white worshipping and they wish they were white. I think that that's very rare, personally. I, it's very rare or relatively rare for someone to, like, actually want to be white. You, you know, like, they, I think most actually, like, would prefer or, or, or know that they're Asian and probably don't think too much about it, you know. Yeah. But they do understand that there's a such a thing as a desirable Asian and an undesirable Asian, and you want to be a desirable Asian. And the way you become a desirable Asian, and I don't mean necessarily like on the dating market, I'm just saying in general, like, mm-hmm. you know, socially accepted Asian, mm-hmm. is you have to be genuinely, or at least appear to be genuinely apologetic about the ideas that the larger culture has, not just white people, but the larger culture has about people of your race. And once I thought of it very, like, I feel like that was always somewhat obvious to me. But once I articulated that for myself, I instantly started recognizing the behavior of a lot of cringy diaspora who go out of their way to be shit libs. And I, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. The way, so I I totally get what you're saying. And I had this personal feeling about people in my life, like other Asian people I know, friends who behave a certain way. And the thing I think about is like, 
I think about 2G Asian shitting on 1G fobs, basically. Their right? favorite favorite fucking thing to do. Yeah, and, you, and the, the, I've thought about this a lot, and I think the reason why is because as 2G Asians living here in America for enough time, you understand how racism works. You understand that pe- white people, let's be you know, frank, people you want to impress or you want to kind of blend in with, they treat you as a ba- like you know it's the whole asian people look all the same kind of thing right like they they take the things they see from another group of asians who's not you're not part of but they're asian and they take their behavior and they will imprint that on you as a first impression right and so i think that two two g's are like extremely embarrassed of one g's coming especially like these new students who like don't know the culture here don't speak great english and so on and when they do stuff that isn't assimilated that pisses them off because it make, is making them look bad in front of white folks. Like, I think that that's a very pervasive feeling that a lot of 2Gs had. I think it's gone a little bit better. Certainly my, the, fr- the couple of friends I think of that have like expressed this have gone less shitty <laughs> about, um, you know, uh, new, new Asian immigrants to Toronto in this case. Um, and I think in part is because like they're wealthier now, they're better dressed than us. Right. Um, you know, they're obviously in, in a lot of ways more cosmopolitan than Canadians or Americans. Um, so now there's more respect for them. But I think for a long time over the last couple of decades, there was a lot of that animosity because they understood that the way, you know, 1Gs behave, that it, w- it would reflect poorly on them as well. So, yeah, I think um, there's this there's this someone on, on Twitter named Sarah Hyder. I think she's a Pakistani American. Okay. And she said she's not like an awful account, but she says stuff that's just so to me archetypal of archetypal of 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 th- what I'm talking about when it comes to diaspora, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this one uh tweet I'm, I I just found it. And she's quote tweeting someone named Hayat. Okay? So Hayat says, this is not the, this is not Sarah, this is Hayat. Uh, this era of, quote, Islam is the religion of peace is beyond over. Muslims should not be wasting their time trying to water down our faith so that Westerners are more comfortable with our existence. I'm completely over this idea of the docile Muslim. Mm-hmm. Kind of based, right? Mm-hmm. So Sarah quote tweets that and she says she's young. So she likely hasn't thought much about what might happen when, quote, Westerners become less comfortable with Muslims. Mm. and that just that i mean there's so many tweets i've seen online about that like there was another guy who was just like yeah i'm a proud muslim but that does not mean that you know i stand behind the culture that i come from you know like i you know a proud muslim ought to be able to like be honest about the problems with our with you know with our culture and just and he listed out this whole fucking thing about everything that you know, intolerance of this and violence that, and, you know, basically a laundry list of shit that white people in the West don't like about Muslims. He listed them out verbatim and was just like, I disclaim all of this. Yeah. I mean, it's the, 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 the diaspora, the two G's like we're, we're all spending our time trying to like do PR for the entire race. Like that's kind of what it is. Yeah. I mean, she you literally know? says you, she's young, and so she hasn't thought yeah. much about what might happen if Westerners become less comfortable with Muslims. Meaning, we got to make them comfortable yeah. with us. Yeah, you that know, that's the desired state. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's an assimil- it's a state of assimilism, uh, assimilation, right? Um, 
that's I mean maybe maybe to be assimilated is to be or to be a shitlib diaspora is to be assimilated. <laughs> Cause then you're fully buying into that being the only way you can exist here. I think Which it's not we call it assimilation, but I don't think that's what it is. What is it then? It's a it's it's uh it's like pleading for acceptance. Yeah, because a lot of times I think that we are over that, like we're overestimating how important it is for like non-Asian people to be quote comfortable with us. They don't Mm -hmm. care. That's my point to like, you know, reading Sarah's tweet. I'm like, okay, if Westerners aren't comfortable with Muslims, it really doesn't matter. It'll be okay. Like they don't. Why do they need to be comfortable? In her mind, it matters. In her friends group, you know, her her acceptance, her acceptability of her being right. in those circles, like that matters a lot to her. That's the number one thing in her mind. Yeah. See, from an because that's because interestingly, she is going to take the position that this other Payat account yeah. is dumb because she's young, and I kind of think the same thing. I'm like, no, you're dumb because you're young. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you, you don't know what what you're talking about because you're you're enmeshed in probably like the sort of like um, the 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 frankly like the very high pressure social uh, pressures that younger yes you know teenagers yeah, yeah, and yeah. twenty year olds or whatever this Hayat feel. account is saying the thing that a more mature Muslim would say yeah right to say like fuck it I can do whatever the fuck I want what like why should I care why should I water myself down for you. Yeah. What 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 do I get in return? You know, and I think Sarah Heider is saying like uh everything. Everything because if they're not comfortable with you, they're going to like exclude you. And that's a lot of people, a lot of young people. I'm not saying that I'm not criticizing young people for that. I'm just saying that's the truth of young people. It's like we're so they're so scared of being socially excluded. Yeah. Whereas adults and our job supposedly is to guide young people, but I don't see a lot of that going on. Like we don't care as much about that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because like you grow up, you mature, you know. Um, and you look at you look at the social fabric that you were enmeshed in in high school or college or whatever. Yeah. Like, none of that mattered. Like literally, you know, it was just a few close friends that I've decided to maintain friendships with over the years sure. that matter, and everyone else. That you know my uh, you know the 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 overly self conscious teenage brain thought mattered when you were in high school. I wasn't really like that, but I, I can imagine like you know just mm-hmm. worried about oh what the what these that group thinks of me. What that none of it matters. It totally doesn't fucking matter. It has no impact it, on my, your life later. in the long term. In, in terms of like where you end up, yeah, it doesn't matter. But I think at the time you're there, which is why this stuff always happens when you're going through. Your adolescence in school, right? Which is why your peers and what your peers say and think about you do affect you a lot. It's the most important thing that matters. Like fitting in matters a lot. <laughs> That's why all these people, I think, including myself when I was younger, developed these kind of um, these uh, insecurities about themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because it did matter a lot. And like we're not the dominant group, so we have to fucking you know, either you you somehow have strong again strong convictions about yourself and where you stand. Or in a lot of cases with kids who don't have that guiding hand, they don't. And so they they do shit like this. They post shit like this, I guess. See, I think that's why, you know, I think you're going to have more success in uh, in in shaping your, your kids' future 
um, identity in terms of being more quote based, you know, having a base, right? Like having a base, yeah. You know, ha- knowing what she stands for and and not just kind of blowing in the wind that a lot of us two G diaspora sort of left to do because frankly, Our I think a lot didn't... of one, a lot of one G parents were kind of yeah, like, they... I don't know anything here. This is a exactly world. yes, yes. They don't you know? know anything and they don't understand the dynamics happening in the schools or whatever because it's not their fucking problem and you know in the case of my parents like they're busy with their fucking jobs trying to put food on the table yeah and 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 i think i i i I came out of this whole sort of like a multi-year or multi-year study on the asian diaspora (laughs) call that what it is yeah i came out i think i feel i actually do feel a bit harsher i have a harsher opinion of first generation parents because they came here, I think a lot came here without without really thinking it through. This is a hindsight 2020 thing, right? You said this in a recent pod about how like, okay, well, it's, now it's better back home, right? Yeah, but well, no, what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is that um, I, I, I feel a little bit harsh, where, whereas I think first generation parents that took the now, I'm not saying all first-generation parents are like this. I'm saying there are first-generation patients who are like this. I understand why they're like this, and I think it's wrong mm-hmm. to think that what my children in America need to do is not have the baggage of all the shit we left behind. And I'm going to let them have a fresh start. Because I'm like, America and Canada or the West or whatever, like, there's no such thing. Okay? Like, you need to have a solid base because otherwise you're going to get blown around left and right and you won't know anything. Like you're not to to assimilate in America in my opinion now is to lo- learn in what cases you can go along and in what cases you got to stand firm. That's who you right. are. But the first generation parents who refuse to really transmit any strong sense of themselves into their kids because they're like, oh yeah, you know, I left all that shit behind in Asia when I came over. I'm not going to weigh my kids down with that. You know, you're you you are sort of ruining their ability to assimilate as people in America who or, or Canada in your case, uh, who to get along in the society need to learn how to have a strong foundation. It doesn't really matter what that foundation is. The, the key is that you have a foundation. You know who you are. And you don't just get like pinballed around society the way that I've seen a lot of people get pinballed around and it sucks. You know, I see a lot on um, on Asian TikTok, um, which, yes, I, I do follow quite a bit still. Um, and, and this goes back to the whole like things are better now for diaspora, not just not just Asian guys, but Asians in general, because um, the younger generation is having a different experience than we are. There's a lot of um, accounts that post like really wholesome, really nice things where like they have their mom and dad in the videos with them, um, you know, interacting with them, doing whatever the hell they're doing in the video, sometimes <laughs> doing dance routines and shit with them. And it's this display of, um, you know, kind of like a, a happy, healthy family that was not part of the stereotype of like bad Asian parenting that we, we maybe grew up with. And a lot of those accounts have this it's it's very clear that the parents have instilled a pride in their child about their homeland right 
And like half these videos are like them going back to China or Vietnam or whatever with their mom and dad and like doing cool shit out there. Um, and it's a sea change. I think that what yeah. I'm talking about is probably outdated and it's more of like my generation. And, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. I think now like because there weren't because there weren't good. Uh, what I'm saying is that there weren't good things for your parents to say at the time because they were leaving a place they didn't like. Right? Like my my. My mom referred to Vietnam for the longest time. I don't know why she translated this, but she just called it. It's not translated. It's just, she gave it the name. She just called it scary country because she was trying to communicate it to me in like in English. She just like mm-hmm. referred to Vietnam as a scary country because they left a very traumatic time, like just after the war, you know, being pushed out by uh, all these like new, the new regime and all this stuff. Right. They were Chinese. So they were persecuted um, in parts of um, uh, Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City. So it was not a good, they didn't have good things to say. And they still have bad vibes. Like my dad has not been back to Vietnam since he left because he thinks he's still on a list. <laughs> and he's going to be like arrested and shit. Yeah. You know, if he mm-hmm. goes back there, which is very upsetting for me to have him like refuse to go, you know, if I ever make a trip back mm-hmm. while you still around. Right. But like, like, you know, what I'm saying is like, I understand why they had a hard time because they were leaving a difficult situation. Right. But, but you're right. It, it leads to not setting a good ground at a good base for the diaspora here. Yeah, and 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 the my criticism of I have a critis- criticism of that, which is that I don't really feel great about the idea that. Um, by the way, um, how's your timing? I got maybe like another five ten minutes. Okay, great. So yeah. we'll just do it as a one one episode. Yeah. Um, my my critique of that is that I don't like the fact that a lot of the problems that we're talking about, including like the Asian guy dating problem and yeah. the the having a, a positive sense of an Asian, of a family connect, a family lineage that informs your identity as an Asian person in, in mm-hmm. the West, that that was all contingent on Asia becoming rich and cool. And that's was- why I think a lot of these things solved themselves, quote to speak. I don't think they've solved themselves, but the conditions have gotten better is because we're not as embarrassed of being Asian, mm-hmm. we value it more because Asia, a being Asian, has greater social cachet than it d- did before. That's why. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like that. There's something yeah, I, mean, I just don't like that well, because it it just shows me that fundamentally the character may, of people may not have changed. The conditions have changed, but we had. I don't. Not sure that necessarily means we learned any lessons. I don't think we've learned any lessons. Yeah. I, I think the fact that we needed fucking Hollywood to start putting us in movies to make us feel better mm. is pretty fucking bleak in terms of personal mm. development. Yeah. You know? And I think setting up a child to be more convicted about themselves is to try to like look past that shit. Right? Dig yeah. dig deeper, you know, than than surface level stuff like Boba, right? Um, or K pop, right? Um, I mean, look, it's end of the day, I think if the psychology of the the younger Gen Z, whatever Asians is that they're not fucking self-hating and there's like fewer gender wars and all that stuff like, okay, that's a net win. But it's, it is unfortunate. Yeah, I agree with you that we got here because Asia got rich and Asian shit got cool and, you know, everybody knows about Pokemon now or whatever. So, yeah, it I, I, I buy that critique, but I'm just saying that's the reality. I think that's the re- those are the reasons why things got better. At the same time, though, I realized fairly recently, and I think I did a pod with Q. um, Yeah, that was a great one. That was a great one. 
You know what? I, I, I always I'm talking to a lot of people in Toronto. That's <laughs> I have like a natural affinity towards people in Toronto, I guess. But you know, I just thought like it just dawned on me. I'm like, you know what? I, I just don't think that there's much of a future for like diaspora culture. And I'm not saying there's no future for diaspora people. Far from it. Uh I think the idea of like trying to build like an enclave oriented Asian American or Asian Canadian culture that will be our home. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. That's like stuffing yourself into Gaza. I, I, I say I, that like I, that's a, a extreme example, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. turning yourself into a captive uh, in someone else's country. And, and it just, it just doesn't work. And the, think, the enclave is, is Gaza. Markham is Gaza, as you're saying. <laughs> Flushing is Gaza. Yeah, yeah. You use that terrible <laughs> analogy. Uh, I'm making an extreme comparison because yeah, yeah, I yeah, want to draw out like the, what I'm trying to say, which is yeah. that, um, you know what I realized is that I don't really care about Asian Americans as a whole. I don't. I don't really care. I don't really care about that group of people. In the sense that I don't think we're a group of people, and I think it's impossible to care about all of us because we're all fucking different, and not just different, but sometimes diametrically opposed to each other, you know. And so I realize I just don't care about the concept of Asian American and what it means or whatever. I don't think it means anything. I think so, it's just so like you're, a, mm-hmm. you're you're going back to like agreeing with the individualistic Liftsmore bros who are like just think about yourself. You know? No, I'm not. I'm no. What I'm saying is that um, when it comes to Asian American stuff, I would say I care mostly about it because I do think that for some of us that care about this shit, there should be something better than Asian American studies professors putting out bullshit tweets. Yeah. There, we need to lay down some real bona fide Asian American thinking that's of legit value. You know what? I have been. So I'll come back for another recording sometime when i can yeah. find time but yeah. we should come back with chris because chris and i have been debating this in our just like on whatsapp for the last little while let's do it because um, i think that i haven't i haven't talked to chris much recently and i think mm-hmm. part of the reason is because he's thinking something and i'm thinking something different and i'm very curious where we stand now oh yeah i mean you're you basically said the same shit that like is the topic of what he and I've been talking about recently. Mm, I'd love um, to catch up. And we have, de- you know, like I'm like debating that like the enclave is like culture. And he's like, no, it's, it's not, it's too surface level. Like there needs to be an intellectual, like undercurrent. Beyond. So yeah, let's, mm. let's, let's definitely get back That's together. Awesome. I know I'm only around for one up, but we should definitely chat. It'd be a good chat too. He's in, he's in Korea at the moment, right? Yeah. He'll be back soon. Right. So I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on, let's on do that, it. just to, just to wrap this one up, I heard you're going to Spain. Speaking of being around or not. Yeah. Around. Next on, I'm going, I'm leaving, um, uh, you know, right after the Thanksgiving weekend. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I've not been there. It's, it's high. Are you going to like Barcelona or where are you going? I'm going to flying into. I did. Okay, so another Toronto friend of mine told me what this is. <laughs> so I'm flying into Madrid and I'm leaving okay. out of Barcelona. Yeah, and so yeah. that's called open jaw flying. Oh, so round trip, okay. you know, if you round trip, it's like in and out of the same airport. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you go into one airport and out another, it's called yeah. open jaw flight. So I'm doing an open jaw flight. Cool. Are you going anywhere? You said it was a short trip in your your tweet. Are you going like to Valencia or anywhere else while you're there? I'm thinking about possibly going to Salamanca. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. As a 
side trip from Madrid though. No plan. I, we, yeah. we, I got to work that out with my, uh, with my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I only, I'm bringing it up because like, first of all, excited for you guys. It should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly, you know, and I, I feel like this episode is like responding to all the shit you've been saying on your episodes recently, but all the stuff you guys have been talking about with the DGENs about like buying property elsewhere and mm. whatever, while you're in those cities, like go to the real estate, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, shops yeah. in the corner and look uh-huh. at the, look, I always like to look, you know, like London or New York, or whatever, just like look at what's, what postings are what's up. Posting, yeah. yeah. There's a show that I always think about when you guys talk about like cheaper real estate in mm-hmm. Asia. It's called like, I think it's called Escape to the Continent. Um, I'll put, I'll send you a link so you can like, well, that's, that's like quite close to our podcast, dude. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I didn't, re- yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. So, Escape to the Continent on BBC. Mm-hmm. It's about people from the UK going to continental Europe to buy property because oh, wow. they're trying to retire or whatever. Mm. And it's just all about like the insane savings and the, the beautiful homes and beautiful um, landscapes they can like buy property on. Mm. And Spain is like on the list, right? Because Spain is like notoriously, you know, low cost, especially yes. if you come from London. Yeah. Right? So. Anyway, I'm not saying you should move that. I know you're just just pay attention. No, no, actually, yeah, look around. It's really interesting. One of one of Shan's friends did exactly that. She lives in England, and they, her and her husband, bought like a property on the Spanish coast somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, my my a buddy of mine who um, uh, is uh, from Russia, but family in in Toronto, they bought a summer home in like outside of Madrid on the coast. Oh wow! Um, Did they just rent it out? Like other no, they, they. they purchased it because it was cheap as fuck and they right. rented out for half the year and then the other half the year they they come back and reclaim it and like live in spain for super mm-hmm. fucking cheap and like enjoy life mm-hmm. and um that's why i know so much about them because they tell me about it all the time um wow so okay. i'm like oh man like like you know continental europe there's a lot of cheap property out there and it's beautiful so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. japan <laughs> let me know what you see let me know what you see we'll do yeah all right man uh i'll let you get back to 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 the things you got to do yeah, it's my, my cat. Uh, who's but good catching right up. Now. And yeah, dude, we got to catch up with Chris when he's back. Because okay, if we'll, you, we'll find a time. I'm glad you've been keeping you know the conversation alive with him because I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want, I really want to know what Chris thinks about all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to talk about it. Okay, we'll put it out. All right, cool. All, all right, right, man. Good to uh, chat. We will catch you all next time. Bye. Bye.